Father, we thank you for those that have come out today. We thank you for those that have participated in the songs and the prayer and the giving. We just thank you for all things this day. We ask that the word that is declared today will fall upon the good soil of our heart and gain great root and come up like a mighty oak next to the water. We just thank you, God, for our opportunity to come together and bless you. We thank you for all these things in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are now on lesson number or episode number 11, episode number 11 in our series called One Team, One Vision, One Mission, One Voice. One Team, One Vision, One Mission, One Voice. One Team, One Vision, One Mission, One Voice. Let's say it together. One Team, One Vision, one mission and one voice. When we started out, we were talking about just the one and what one meant. And we talked about how one was complete, whole, and that it was a, a reflection of God's oneness that uh, we were walking in. We also talked about how Jesus prayed that just like him and the Father was one, he wanted us to be one with the Father. We talked about the power of unity and how powerful unity was and we looked at the Tower of Babel and saw how when it's used in a bad way what can happen um, when it's used in a good way as in the day of Pentecost what could happen then we looked at how a team is an eternal norm established by God it's, it's the normal thing that God wants to happen for us uh, and to us we talked about how even against 400 to 1 odds when you operate as a team, you can still have victory. We then talked about how the smallest denomination for a team is two people, at least two, in order to establish a team. Then we looked at every part of the team is essential. No matter how negative you feel about your part, your part is still important. And our goal was that during that time was to say that your part's not negative because you are a part. It's important. And then we talk, that was the one when I started talking about if you hit your pinky toe in the dark. Uh, next thing we looked at, we talked about vision. And we talked about vision allows us to see beyond where we are. The vision allows us to look beyond where we are and it provides a motivation for us to get there as God is revealing to us. We talked about how vision is not just for the leaders. Vision is for everyone. Vision is poured out upon everybody when uh, Jesus died. He, his spirit came and touched every flesh, every person, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. The spirit of God has touched them to a point where they can now see beyond where they are. Then the next thing that we looked at was. That vision has an effect on our current situation. When you think that you're where you are and you can't get any better, then you don't try to get any better. But vision allows us to see beyond where we are to a better place. And then it gives us that, again, that motivation to go ahead and try and not only try, but to achieve what it is that we're trying to achieve. So vision has an, a great effect on us as we move forward. Then we got into mission. 
And when we talked about mission is a task given to an individual or a group. And we also added into that that it is usually a sub or uh, underlying factor of the overall vision. So the vision can be this big thing, but then a mission is one little part of that vision. And then last week we looked at that uh, the accomplishment of a vision, of a mission, has the potential to provide additional benefits. The accomplishment of a mission has the potential to provide additional benefits. And we taught you, we used the two spies that went into Jericho, and as they went into Jericho, not only were they able to spy it out, but they established a relationship with a person that was not a Jew. But then as we look down the uh, line of who Jesus is, we find out that that woman actually was one of his grandparents. And she was, if y'all remember, recall, she was the brothel owner, prostitute, Rahab. And so there's some other, as you're accomplishing the mission, there's additional things that can happen that can be beneficial to you in the long run. We also have some definitions that we would we look at. One definition that we looked at was O-N-E, one. And we talked about that was single, but it meant complete. It meant whole. It meant unified. We talked about team. Team is a number of persons associated together in a work or activity. We talked about vision, the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. Then we're now on mission, which is a specific task with which a person or a group is charged. And so we've gone through all this, and right now, as I said, we're on mission, but I also want to add a suffix to the word mission as we go forward. The suffix is A-R-Y. A-R-Y is the suffix. Suffix is the uh, identifier that goes on the end of a word. And so the suffix A-R-Y means pertaining to or engaged in. So for the word mission, when you put A-R-Y, a missionary is a person that is engaged in or is a person that is doing something that pertains to mission. Now, most of us, when we hear the word missionary, we think about folks traveling to foreign countries and uh, preaching the gospel or doing um, some type of work. We even even call it missionary work, you know, when we when we talk about them. But I want us to kind of broaden our environment or broaden our, our perception of that word. Anytime that we're going out to accomplish anything, we are a missionary, one that who is going out uh, connected to or operating in a mission. All right? So I want us to have that in our kit bag also. When we started talking about the word mission, I used Genesis, the second chapter, the 15th, starting with the 15th verse. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, 
You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you should surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever he called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. This is the very first mission that was given in the Bible. The very first mission that was given in the Bible is Adam naming the animals. I want to, for, uh, for those of us that have been brought up in the Sunday school system, we're going to talk about a very familiar character in the Sunday school system today. And what we, as I was looking at this, I was thinking that we probably won't get it done today, but we're going to get um, some done today. And then we'll finish it up um, over the next couple of weeks. Let us go to Jonah, the first chapter. And we're going to walk through that as far as we possibly can today. And then we'll finish it up later. Jonah, the first chapter. And remember, we, dis we discovered that Mission is a sub-element of vision. And to give an overview of what's getting ready to happen is the, the Ninevites, who were actually bitter enemies to the Israelites, they were just, they just did, they didn't get along at, at all. But God had commissioned Jonah to go and talk to the Ninevites. And then we're going to see how Jonah felt about that. It says, starting at the first verse, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarsh from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsh, for he had paid the fare and went down into it, to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. A little quick commentary for that part right there. So God says, listen, you're one of my prophets. I want you to go preach to these people. And Jonah says, Jonah jumps up in verse 3. He says, Jonah jumps up and he decides to go in the opposite direction of where God told him to go. So he decides to go to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So it says even from there, bless you, it says even from there that he's going away from the Lord. He's not doing what the Lord called him to do. Now, wait a minute. I just want to remind everybody that this is one of God's men. This is one of God's prophets. This is one of the guys that God has called to operate for him on the earth. And so he paid his fare. And went down into, uh, so, okay, it says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So we see that Jonah not only is not doing what the Lord says, he's going a complete opposite direction. 
that that uh, what God has told him to go. And he says, and it says, and then he went away from the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't think God was too happy because in verse number four, it says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and even cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So what Jonah gets on the ship, he's going in the opposite direction. God allows some wind to kick up. Now, um, the thing is, they need wind on these boats in order to, to go. But this was a mighty wind. This is a little bit bigger than what they were used to. It seemed like it was going to destroy the ship. So what it was, now the other point I want to bring out is, the ship that Jonah dropped on was not a Jewish ship. He just dropped on a ship that was going in the opposite direction of where God told him to go. So these were folks that didn't even know who God was, who the God of Jonah was. So they're on this ship, and this is why it says that they start praying to their gods. They're like, hey, God, you know, what's going on? They even start throwing stuff off the ship, and they... And um, some people say that the reason they would throw stuff off the ship was to make the ship lighter. And some others say that they were throwing the stuff off the ship in order as a sacrifice or appeasement to the God to try to cause them to not to attack or destroy the ship. And it says that the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But now look, look at this. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Now, you got these waves kicking on, these winds kicking on, all this craziness going on. And what did Jonah do? He went on and laid down like nothing was happening. What this reveals is this showed how strongly Jonah was about not going to Nineveh. Because he didn't care about nothing. All he knew was, I'm leaving. I ain't going where God told me to go. I'm going this way. So everything else was happening. But he was like, I'm going to go out here and take me a nap. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have the condition which is called motion sickness. But one of the things about motion sickness is when you can't see the horizon, it really gets bad. So not only did Jonah not care he just went down there and was knocked out fast asleep and let's see what happens with, with that verse number six says so the captain came and said to him what do you mean you sleeper how you boy if you don't get yourself up some of us probably hear that in the morning when it's time to go to school What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we should not perish. So the, the captain was like, you better wake up and you better start praying. So one of these guys need to stop this water from doing all this craziness. May, yours might be the one, but everybody need to be praying. Wake yourself up. So he, wake, he makes him get up. All right. Now notice Jonah still ain't said nothing, right? And says, and they, then they all got up, there, you know, they're praying. They're trying to make, make sure that the ship can go. And they said one to another, come, let us cast lots 
that we may know on whose account the evil has come upon us. So what this is, is they would take something, something like dice, but it wasn't really, it wasn't dice, and everyone would have their number, and they would roll it, and whoever that number came out on was the person that they were trying to figure out what was going on, okay? It was a way that they figured out stuff back in the day. It happened to fall on Jonah. So you know what everybody did? They looked at Jonah. So they cast lots. The lots fell on Jonah. And then they said in verse 8, Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Of what people are you? Tell us everything because something ain't right. And he said, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Well, if your God made the sea and the dry land, you the one that got all this stuff going on, all right? And it says, then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? What have you done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Now, he just told them, my God made the sea and the land, and now I'm running from him. Now, how that makes sense to anybody? If somebody, let's, let's kind of make it a little more relevant. So if somebody said, I'm running from my mom because she's going to whoop me. Now, what would we say? Boy, you better go back and get your whooping. Right? Well, isn't that what we would say? That's what I always tell my brother. You better go get that whooping, boy. You know what I'm saying? Because it it's going to get worse and worse. And... If, if she happened to come in the room and I'm standing beside you, I might get a couple licks just because she's swinging at everything that's moving. You know what I'm saying? So they was like, listen, we ain't getting in trouble with you, dude. We need to get this thing figured out. But, but, but you know, they were, trying, they were trying to help the man out, okay? They said to him, tell us on whose account. Okay, let's go down. He says, number 10. Uh, okay, number 11. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us. For the sea grew more and more temptuous, which means the waves start getting bigger. The wind starts blowing more. Everything, this thing is really going crazy now because now everybody knows. So God's like, y'all know? So now let me show you what's going to happen. So they on that ship, the ship's doing all this and going all, you know, it's just going all crazy. They say, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So this was, let's, let's see what they're going to do. He says in verse number 12, he says to them, pick me up and hurl me in the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. So he says, throw me in the sea and everything will be good for you. Right. And everybody like, no, see, y'all ain't right. Y'all ain't right, people. Y'all ain't right. Nevertheless, 13, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. They figured if they can get to land, they'll be okay. But they could not. For as they started going through the land, the sea would just push them back out to the sea. The wind would just blow them back out to the sea. Waves pushing them back out to the sea. For the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. So they're trying, they, you know, they, they don't know the God of heaven. They don't know, the, but they have gods that they serve. And they're like, well, no, we're not going to throw you in the sea because then you're going to die. And we're not going to have that on us. And so they're sitting there they're trying to figure out this way. And Jonah's like, just throw me overboard. Just throw me overboard. Now, there's two ways of thinking about this. One is Jonah is so earnery 
that he said, if you throw me in the sea and I die, then I still don't have to go to Nineveh. You see what I'm saying? I know none of us never do like that. None of us never be like, okay, even after you give me my whooping, I'm still not going to do what you say, right? Y'all ain't never been like that. Miss Yolanda was like that when she was little. No, she wasn't. Don't answer. Don't answer. Don't answer. Don't answer. And you get yourself in trouble. So as you go forward, you see how in verse number uh, 14. So now all the folks, all the crew on the ship do this. They say, therefore, they called out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord. Have done it, have done as it pleased you. So now they're praying to the God of heaven. Do not charge this to us. We, our intention is not to murder this man, but we don't want to die. And so they say, so they picked up Jonah. So they grabbed hold of Jonah. Did the one, two, three, you know, and Jonah's gone. Jonah is hurled into the sea. And guess what happened? The sea stopped raging. They throw that joke over there. The sea stopped raging. And then check, this is what happened. Not that the men celebrated, but they, they realized, wait a minute. This God is something else. As soon as we threw Jonah off the ship, the sea calmed down. It says... Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. When you are called by God to do something, even in the midst of you being rebellious, this is what it is, this is being rebellious. Even in the midst of you being rebellious, God is still able to touch other people's lives in the midst of you being a hard head. I ain't talking about you unless you know I'm talking about you. But we have to realize that it's easier on us to do it God's way instead of trying to do it our way and God having to make an example of correction on us. There's an expression that we used to use when... uh. When uh, my kids were younger, we used to say, everybody else can, tenders can't. And they'd be like, well, everybody else get to stay out after the streetlights come on. Everybody else can, tenders can't. And that was the rule. They already knew what that. And so what that meant was we had a different little standard than anybody else. Didn't make us better, but it was our standard was different. The same thing when we follow God. There's certain things that God says, this is how we do this. We don't. If somebody uh, treats us wrong, we do not repay wrongness with additional wrongness. We treat them with love. We treat them with kindness. We treat them with uh, respect. We do things according to the standard of being what a child of God is. That's what we do. But we see Jonah. Jonah wasn't hearing all that. Jonah was a Jew and God said, I want you to go talk to these Gentiles, these Ninevites, who are the bitter enemies of the Jewish people. You know what Jonah said? I ain't talking to them jokers. Let them die. In fact, 
I'm going to prove to you that I ain't going to talk to him. I'm going in the complete opposite direction. And let's see what happened then. And as they go in this opposite direction, God says, that ain't what I told you to do. And so he starts stirring up the environment. He starts causing things to happen. And sometimes I have been around folks that you know that they have a calling of God on their life. They know they got a calling of God on their life, but they just, they like, I ain't doing it. And you see them going through stuff, and you be on the sideline like, all you got to do is just tell God you accept it. you like, I don't know. They'd be like, I don't know why I'm going through this, because you're not doing what God told you to do. If you do what God tells you to do, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be easier. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. See, they get that Jonah mindset. Now, let me tell you something about God. I told you all this before. If you don't want to do what God wants you to do, God's going to find somebody else to do it. Sometimes, though, God says, oh, no, you're going to do what I told you to do. You're going to do it because Jonah was the only one that could preach this gospel to those Ninevites. So Jonah had to do it. So as we if, if we were to continue on in this in this. Uh, well, we got one more verse, right? And it says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Now, I know on the children's books and everything, they say it's a well. We don't have we don't know exactly what the fish is. If you try to do a, a, a complete analysis of it, you'd have to say that it was something that God designated at that time to do what it doesn't naturally do. First of all, if it was a whale, most whales throats are too small to consume an entire human body. So that, that's the first thing. Second thing is, if it even got past the, uh, the throat and got into the digestive system, the acidic content of the uh, whale's stomach would eat our skin off almost immediately. So there's some things that happen that says that God specifically selected this creature in order to make this happen so that it would, number one, I, I, we're not going to do uh, Jonah chapter two today, but uh, number one, it was uncomfortable for Jonah. Number two, it indicated that it was stinking in there. Number three, it was cramped. It was closed in so that it was very uncomfortable for Jonah. And so as we look at this, we see that as it, uh, we're going to jump into the third chapter real quick. And it, and it says, I, 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 love, I love this because it, it's very funny. After you get your whooping for not doing what you were told to do, what's usually the next thing you hear? Whatever you were told to do the first time, right? This is the same thing happened to Jonah. Let's say, for instance. You was told to sweep the floor, and you decide to go back outside and play. I ain't telling y'all something I seen. I'm telling y'all something I did, all right? So you get called back in the house, and you hear, didn't I tell you to sweep the floor? Yes. So you get a whooping, right? And instead of her saying, going back outside and play, what she tell you? You get on in here and finish sweeping this floor. You see what I'm saying? So look at what happened to Jonah in verse number three. Jonah number three says, 
Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. See, Bible folks ain't no different than us. He got his whooping. And God said, once, once the fish had spit him back up onto the land, he said, now what did I tell you to do? Jonah's up there. You know how y'all did after y'all got y'all whooping. He's doing the little, he's doing all the shakes and stuff. And then next thing you know, you see that he says, go and do what I told you. And now it says, so Jonah arose, um, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse number 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now you see what he's doing? According to the word of the Lord. I'm going I'm to do what God says, right? According to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breath, which means it would take you 72 hours to walk from one side of Nineveh to the other side of Nineveh. It was a huge city. And so Jonah walks up in there and it says, and Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey. So he walked about a third into it and he calls out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Nineveh, he starts preaching. Now I'm quite sure that them Ninevites knew that Jonah didn't like them. I'm quite sure they knew because, and, and they didn't, not necessarily that Jonah himself, but because he was an Israelite, they already knew that they were bitter, bitter enemies. So he comes in and he starts saying, y'all going to be destroyed in 40 days. Wait a minute, this guy, we already don't like him. And then he's going to come in and talk about we're going to be, and it says Jonah began to go in the city uh, and the people of Nineveh believed God. So they believed what he said. And because they believed what he said, they called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The, the, the Ninevites believed what the Lord, word of the Lord was for them. They all started going into the process of repenting, which means to turn away from doing what you were doing and going in a new direction. And as they were doing this, it even got up to the king. The king himself, the ruler of Nineveh, he did the same thing. He started repenting. As we see in verse number uh, 6, it says, The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And then it says that he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Now listen to this. Let not neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them be called out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. He put everybody on a fast. Ain't nobody in this kingdom eating. We're going to go before the God of Israel and ask him not to destroy us. And this is what the process was. He says, and who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And then it says in verse number 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from the, their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said that he would do to them and he did not do it. Isn't that something? 
He tells, the whole story starts off like this. Jonah, the mission is for you to go to Nineveh. Because I know if they hear the word, because this is the vision that God has, I know if they hear the word that they are going to repent and get back in right standing with me. Jonah says, I don't like them Ninevites. I don't care about them Ninevites. I hope they all die. So what does he do? He decides that he's not going to do it. He's going to allow or allow the, God, the process that God has set up to destroy them to happen. God said, that's not what I said. Your mission is to go and preach to them. He says, I ain't doing that. So he tries to go in the opposite direction. We found out what happened, right? The ship gets all tossed about and everything. And as soon and now this is the funny thing. You can be as rebellious to God as you want to be. I mean, you could just say, all right, God, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. But in the midst of your rebellion, God causes you to touch other people's lives to cause them to see him. Isn't that something? How even in the midst of this, these folks said, okay, we're going to throw you overboard. They throw him overboard, and it says that they all made a vow, which means they started saying, we're going to serve this God because this is the God that has power. This is the God that has authority. Now, out of Jonah's rebellion, all these ship people now become servants of the Most High God. He goes in the belly of the well. He realizes that he's messing up. So he says, God, I'm going to do it. He gets over there to the shore and God says, go ahead and do what I told you. He walks inside the city. He gets about one third inside the city. He starts declaring the word of the Lord to them. And they realize we need to get right. The folks wanted so much to get right that it reached the king. And the king says, you know what? We're going to take this to the next level. Anything inside this city, you ain't eating until this thing passes over. We're all going to get in sackcloth. We're going to get in ashes. And that was a way of showing your contrition, how you were saying that I want to be right. The whole city. He said the, uh, the sheep, the cows, everybody, everything, no eating. No food touches your mouth until this passes over. And then it says, God saw what they did, and because God saw what they did, he, uh, his vision for the Ninevites came to pass. But it would not have come to pass if Jonah would not have done his part or his mission, which was to bring the gospel to the people. Next week when we look at this, we're going to look at another ministry uh, missionary journey. And we're going to see the difference between when you do it through the eyes of rebellion and when you do it through the eyes of wanting to do it the way that God wants it done. And so as we look at this, I want us to really realize that it's so easy for us to kind of throw up a reason to God for not doing what the mission that he's given us to, 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 uh, to do. His mission was, remember what Jesus said? He said, I want you to go, therefore, to all the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples of all men, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all things like I have taught you, so that they will become those disciples. But sometimes we like, well, I don't like them because they're too tall. I don't like them because they're too skinny. I don't like, we come up with all these reasons, and then we wonder why our day is not going well, because God said, I need you to talk to this person today. And we say, well, God, you know, I, I, but our, the point I want to pull out of Jonah was, even in the midst of you acting like this, God's able to do something, but it's easier if you do it the way God wants it done from the beginning. I have a friend of mine, one of my mentors, who, who used to have this, this expression that he used to give me. He says, always nice to be nice. And so just being a kind person to somebody, just saying, hello, how you doing? Hope you're having a good day can really be significant to a person and their daily adventure or daily venture of what they're going through. So we want to be those beacons, not the rebellious beacons that have to go through a little extra drama in order for us to operate right, but we always want to be in that position where we're speaking hope, we're always speaking life to folks that we encounter. Because our mission is to proclaim this gospel, not only in word, but also in how we conduct ourselves. Because even as we do our job, the Bible tells us that we should do it as heartily as unto the Lord. So we're not necessarily doing our job for our bosses. We're doing it to show the Lord how appreciative we are to have the job that we have. So we could do it Jonah's way and go through those whoopings and those situations and still get told to do what I told you to do. Or we can go ahead and do it right the first time. Now, I already noticed some folks in the room today that are saying to themselves, I probably would have been like Jonah. Okay, just remember what Jonah had to go through. We didn't even talk about the second chapter of that. I want you to go ahead and read that for yourself. And you just see how he had to go through that before he finally got his mind right. But once God gives us this mission, we should go after it wholeheartedly because not only is it a benefit to us, as we saw with the two spies last week, it also benefits those that are around us. And that's what we want to do. We want to be a benefit not only to the kingdom of heaven, but also to the kingdom of this earth by causing folks to reorient their eyesight to the Father. All right. So next week we're going to go ahead and do the converse of this side, folks that willingly jumped out there and did what God said, and we'll talk about them. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to look into your word. And God, we just want to thank you for having uh, Jonah in, in the Bible, that we can look at him and see how not all the prophets, not all the people willingly did it immediately what you wanted but sometimes they allow situations to come up into their mind which will cause them not to perform it as you exactly said but God we also thank you for grace and we thank you for the unction the conviction of your spirit that compels us to operate in righteousness and we thank you God that you 
have a, 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 a grace and a mercy that you just displace toward us because your desire is for us to walk according to your will and according to your way. So, God, we thank you for all that. We thank you for your son who now allows us to come before the Father. We thank you just for your grace, your mercy, and your peace that you surround us with. We just want to magnify you in all things and give you the glory. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.